welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about flying through the galaxy with your best friends who can't decide if this is a ship or a spaceport. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about how to find a place to start when you're designing. And we do a little bit of our own design work on the Corsair Playbook. We are very close to a couple things. Do you mean we're on our final episode because we are going to get 98 episodes and then call it there? So that is one of the two things that we are close to. Okay. Okay. We are, we are at, this is episode 98, 97, 98, 98, I think. God. Therefore, our final episode. This is episode 98. Um, And then, yeah, next episode will be number 99. And then maybe we will disappear forever and not hit 100. But maybe we will. We'll never. Uh, we'll have to find I, out. I thought we decided that 99 is also a pleasant number. <laughs> and so we, we didn't want to do that either. Oh, uh, maybe this is our last episode. So I, think, I think that's this. That, yeah. It's weird that we would end Stop, Pack, and Roll on the first episode of 2020, though. That's true. That is true. That we're in the first episode of 2020, and this is the final episode, and it's it's just it's momentous, and it's been quite a journey. Yeah, and I appreciate yeah. that journey you took with me, James. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that we are very close to that I am thrilled about, um, but I'm sure you are less thrilled about, is we are making progress into the 200s of dollars per month on Stop Hack, on the Stop Back and Roll Patreon, which means we are growing ever closer to doing that dungeons and dragons cartoon show podcast oh my gosh i i keep on forgetting about that um i i am not i'm not unenthused for that there (laughs) there is a part of me that is like i have burned everything in the dungeons and dragons brand to a point that like it feels really hypocritical but we made we made that guarantee and there's no way they're getting money off of that (laughs) but but also also so did the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's there kind is. of in in the same uh, vein of making D anD D look terrible. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's in the same vein of um, people who play D anD D. In that the people who made the show once heard about the rules and then uh, just made it up. Oh, I'm different because I know all the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter joke. All right, I, I know um, all the so. rules and I'll aggressively tell people that. That dislike diversity that they don't know all the rules because they don't. Yeah, well, well, there are no rules in the in the cartoon show. The cartoon (laughs) show starts with a bunch of teenage modern teenagers on a roller coaster. Um, I believe if you look at episode two of Stop, Hack and Roll, you'll see that you can play (laughs) D&D on a roller coaster. You know, that classic way that all Dungeons and Dragons campaigns start, not in a tavern, but on a roller coaster. You find yourselves... In a roller coaster, a man with oh, there's a hood no narrator sits at that in point. the corner. Because the narrator is a character. Oh, the GM right. is a physical character. I, I, I do think we'll have some fun with this. And, and I have to say, if that does take off, there is a small part of me that has wanted to do like reviews of television shows mm-hmm. that portray tabletop games. Tabletop? Yeah, that's interesting. Because like, I, I was watching Community, uh, which is... Oh, yeah. Like, it's a fun show. It has a lot of problems. But... It its episodes are interesting yeah. because Dan Harmon has no idea how to play D anD D. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. It's it's interesting because Dan Harmon kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, 
yeah, those are there's some stuff in that in those episodes that are really good, and some stuff in those episodes that are not so great. Yeah, and definitely the players that are supposed to be the players that no one wants to play with are the only ones I would be willing to play the game with. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. I feel that. So if um, if uh oh, what's her name? Britta's Britta. Britta. Yeah, if 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 she wants to come on Protean City, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know and uh yeah. i guess uh if if annie wants to come on protean city but is willing to like talk about some x card issues <laughs> yeah well yeah. yeah yeah and that's it that's it maybe the dean yeah 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 so what are we gonna talk about today well so i think we were talking a little bit before the episode started about how i have been in a you know in a rut um, yeah recently i tend to not I'll, i won't even say a rut I just tend to go in um, kind of phases of productivity. Yeah. Where yeah. for a period and, and and specifically, it's it's not even like a phase where I'm really product productive. You know, product productive. How does that work? <laughs> Sorry, for how the word productive was pronounced. Um, not even that that I go in phases of productive and then not productive, but that I go in phases where I'm like really productive around podcast editing. Yeah, and then phases where I'm really productive about game design. Yeah, and right now because we're we're kicks we're like kicking off the whole um, outstanding thing, so I've been really kind of focused on that and and doing a lot of podcasting thoughts, um, and so I've been a little bit less game design focused. But yeah, and and I'm I'm moving in August, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. My productivity is a little down, um, and also like you know I'm doing work to get Busion out, so yeah, doing yeah. like we could do an episode every two weeks about like what is your progress in Busion, and it's like I wrote a lot of words, and I worked on playbooks and playsets, yeah. but that's not especially interesting. No. Um, watch our emails now be like please do that yeah please do that um i mean that's a whole other thing i think although i think i think if we were gonna do something like that if we were like and i think that i've i've liked the idea of potentially doing a let's just do let, let's set out and do a run of stop back and roll we were where we are just working on a game yeah and we just come back and do like status updates every week but i think that like starting at the post kickstarter <laughs> phase is maybe not the place to start that I, I feel like we should really start that once the project is done mm, and yeah, just yeah. kind of like, how are you relaxing after this project is completely done? I would kind of really like to, um, this is a little bit of planning the podcast on the podcast. That's fine. Which is sort of, yeah, a thing, but, um, we just I would said almost, we're in a rut. I would almost really love to do a thing where we, throw out a couple ideas of like of what we are interested in making game wise or where we are interested in going mechanically or something like that. Yeah. And then kind of get like spend then two weeks getting input from people um, and then sort of follow that path until we hit another like and then at the end of that next episode, throw out another poll or, or feedback thing and then kind of just at the end of every episode, um, collect more feedback and kind of almost build a game with the community. That could be interesting. I could see that working. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so I actually, while we were talking, I had other ideas of things okay. I could throw at you as possibilities. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we had said that one thing that might be a good thing for us to do to kind of recharge in our final episode is the first episode <laughs> of 2020. 
Gotta really go into the end of the into of the podcast really fully charged. Yeah, we'd really like our outro. Um, because probably afterwards we'll do like some kind of we'll drop a promo in for for a different podcast like seven months from now when everyone <laughs> has thought that we've completely pod faded, and then that promo will never actually lead to anything. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Don't worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So I was thinking we could do something that is like relatively easy that we don't need to come up with the grand idea and we're just kind of able to spend some time tinkering a little. So one thing that is always a relatively quick thing to just kind of tinker some ideas and build some stuff out and build as far as we want to is to take a playbook from a game like a mask playbook and just kind of work one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have kind of three that were in my back pocket that you and I could sit down and chat about. They are uh, the corporate one that is uh, the Corsair, which is kind of based on like being a space captain or a ship captain of some kind. And I also think it could be fun doing some kind of like uh, basically like a ghost rider type thing mm. uh, that you've got like, you know, your car. And I don't know if that's too similar to the wielder, but we can always we can yeah. talk about that or not. Mm-hmm. And the other idea that was coming to mind is I think it would be fun and this might just be a thing that I'm floating and we talk about later. <laughs> it might be fun to make a, you know, there's like art a day challenges. Wouldn't it be awesome to do a like a move a day challenge or like an item a day challenge that created content for someone to have made? Like, like mm-hmm. we've been talking all the time about how there isn't enough supplementary material for indie games. Yeah. So like if if four people did item a day move a day of some kind for masks abruptly that's like what a bunch of a bunch of like 150 moves if there's five people doing it 30 days yeah and that could be kind of cool just to either try to come up with a list or to talk about like what we'd be interested in seeing and that kind of thing but i also don't know that might not be an episode yeah i also that would be interesting i have definitely felt like my ability to write moves is um not good uh i think i'm not good at writing moves i don't know it's never something that has come easy to me and so maybe like grinding out 30 moves in 30 days is something that would help me improve that do you want to see how many moves we can make in the rest of the episode (laughs) um i'm not sure that's super particularly interesting uh because it would be me <laughs> just being bad over and over again for the next hour no we, um, we could we could come up with some triggers and like just build out and like go through the process that i use for writing a move okay it might be more well, grindy than well, you want to do that but that might also work I, that could also work in the form of working on one of the playbooks too that's very true as well um so does one of those I interest a- you more I also had a, a kind of big picture topic that I was thinking we could talk about. Okay. Um, that's sort of so maybe we start with that, cover it a little bit, and then and then come back around to the masks playbook. Sure. Because I don't think sounds good. This will um, last too long. And, um, and let's leave this in because I think a lot of these are ideas that the community might be interested in. And so if you yeah, are, yeah. like, let us know so we can pursue that in the future. I think I think especially even if we if we don't come around and do like a a, a wave of of moves, I do like the idea of doing a a uh, a move a day challenge thing. And so maybe 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 if you are listening to this and you like that idea, 
hit us up with a a theme or something. Yeah, and like I think that there there's kind of like a tension there that it is easier to set up a themed thing around something. Like if you think of like Mermaid, that mm-hmm. is tends to be kind of like laser focused on merfolk. Yeah. And so like that makes really specific things. And so if we are going like can we make a bunch of supplementary material for one game? Yeah. Then it might be good to be focused. Oh. On the other hand, it might We would have to figure out, out. Uh, what month it is even. <laughs> uh, probably what well, it would be August. I just meant I like I I how convinced are you that August is the next month? Because it could be March, it could be April. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> like, uh, time has no meaning. Um, and and this is the last episode anyway. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> well, we um, we do about two so, episodes a month, so it's probably January. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, um. So okay. So let's do this because I think I can. I think I can slide us from this from a topic that I have through that topic loosely and then into making a playbook cool let's do it so one of the things that you have been doing recently is um so let's see you you have sort of metastasized a bunch of sort of big picture ideas into more more specific games and even something like rad crawl which is sort of a big picture idea yeah you have kind of come at from a couple different angles and sort of followed that design sort of pull in a couple different directions towards a couple different mechanical sets yeah um and so i wanted to talk about like when you say you have and i think this is something that is relevant to me too because again i have a really big picture idea of like i would like to do a, a game that is about uh, mission control and launching spaceships, yeah, stuff like that. So, but I have no idea what that looks like. Besides that, right, I sort of yeah. thought that maybe it was a fate game. I thought that maybe it was a Blades in the Dark game. And now I've sort of looked at some other things. Who knows? I just have no idea. Yeah. But and and you have had a couple ideas of like obviously like uh, Passion dos Passiones was a was a conceptually a game about telenovelas. You've done some. You've had some thoughts on Rad Crawl as a sort of dungeon crawly uh, collectible card game. Uh, that is shenanigans com- thing which is like completely inappropriate for a world where people are primarily playing games online <laughs> and and now you've sort of started to think about uh, I, like we talked a little bit in the last couple episodes about a fantasy game that's more um like decolonialized and focused on uh commu- like a small fishing community and yeah. and, and 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 kind of like doing fantasy that in a way that isn't just a bunch of murder hobos moving around. Yeah. And, and, and all of those are sort of, especially the last few are, are you're coming at it with a, a, a big picture idea, a desire, a, almost the, the, the Kevin Petker's true heart of the, of the game. Mm. Like you're starting from there and then working towards mechanics. Yeah. And even if you don't like with rad crawl, you haven't necessarily fully, uh, chosen that metabolized is not the right word (laughs) but like you haven't fully like manifested it as a game but you have spent some time and done some mechanical work yeah so like how do you how does one go from hey i have this idea for a game to what is the right system should i try to hack something else should i try to write my own rules yeah how do i even go about if i have this idea that it's like that i want to tell a story about 
fantasy heroes protecting their community, how do I even go about figuring out where to start mechanizing that? Yeah, cool. That sounds like an interesting topic to me. And then even something as simple as perhaps like, how do you know when if the thing you want to tell a story about is like, I I don't have a good example, but how do you how do you know if the thing that you have this this concept of how to tell that you want to tell a story about? How do you know if that should be its own game or if that should be a module for another game or if it even should just be like a playbook for a game? Like if you're really interested in telling stories about werewolves. Then, like, are you talking about writing a game about werewolves? Are you talking about writing a module for Urban Shadows? Are you talking about writing a masks playbook about werewolves? Like, that's really interesting. That that is that is definitely like one of those bigger questions from the beginning of what you want to do, right? And I think that it's a place that a lot of people get stuck because yeah. they come into game design and they have played a whole bunch of other games, perhaps. Um, yeah, and now and they and they see in their future that they want to run a convention, uh, and they've done some GMing. Yeah, but <laughs> and they so they want to do some. They, they do know that. they need to do some game design. Yeah, uh, and they the have. <laughs> that's the rules. Um, but and so they have this idea of like I, I've always wanted to tell a story about this, but I couldn't quite find the right game. Yeah. So where so, do they go from there? So I think that the first thing that is like kind of the obnoxious answer is that a lot of it has to do with knowledge of what you can do so -hmm. like a lot of times people are like kind of the classic example of people not paying attention to system mechanics and game design and just kind of doing things without thinking is uh people playing their like harry potter prom stories in dungeons and dragons yeah uh, and two of those three things are cancelled, by the way. Actually, mm. all three of those things are currently cancelled. So, uh, that's a little, <laughs> like, of yeah. a, not a great example. Uh, but, like, doing that doesn't make sense. And it might happen in a way that the table is okay, but it's not good, and it's not going to be supported well, and it's not going to function well. But if your only experience is with a d20 system that's the only thing you're going to think of Mm -hmm. and so the kind of the annoying answer which is an answer that i i hate is the more systems you have an awareness of the more able you are going to be able to be to decide what kind of a system you need which i know harkens to like some of the like you need to read up and study games which is something that i don't necessarily (laughs) believe in yeah although i think that i think that there so i i will say I think that there is a a time saving aspect perhaps to that. Yeah. In, in that if like if you have come out of 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 play like if you are playing a game, if you're you're in the gaming community, you have exclusively played D&D or you have exclusively played Fate or you've yeah. exclusively played Apocalypse World or whatever and you yeah. like and you are like, oh god, I wanna, I wanna write this game. It's the true thing. It's in my heart. I need to tell this story. It can't just be like, uh, it can't just be the telling, doing the prom in in D and I've got to write some rules for this. But I'm really familiar with Apocalypse World, and I don't really know a lot of other games. Or I'm really yeah. familiar with Fate. Like you can put in the time and try to make it work. Like you can try to write Absolutely. custom rules, and you may get to the point where you say, "This isn't working." <laughs> This isn't yeah. this isn't gonna happen, uh, yeah. Because you know that system well enough that you know 
like that you could you've put in the time playing it you know how the how the mechanics work and so eventually you'll know when you get to that point where where it's not going to work even if you don't know that at the beginning you will eventually yeah. get there and that's the point where you would then say well where what system am i going to and sort of i think the benefit of what you were saying about sort of being familiar with a bunch of different systems is you can kind of start from a like and to some extent i think you are always sort of throwing that dart yeah blindfolded like you're always going to kind of take a risk that I'm going to, which is a little bit of what I think what happened with rad crawl, which is kind of you threw a dart and you said, I'm going to go follow it down this, this direction. Um, and then it either didn't work for didn't end up being what you were wanting to make. And so you kind of shifted a little bit. Yeah. And like, I think that by knowing a lot of game systems, you can point yourself in the right direction, but ultimately you are always throwing the dart blindfolded. Uh, yeah. I, I almost feel like it's like, like a sine wave. That, like, if you have zero knowledge of any games, then it isn't difficult to figure out what system you're going to use because you're going to just come up with something and you're just going to invent something, right? And, like, it might be difficult to invent something and you might invent something that is really brilliant or really bad because you don't have the knowledge to necessarily tell whether it's going to be something completely new that's revolutionary or something that just is completely non-functional. And then, like, once you get a little bit of information and know what you're doing in one game, then, like, you're, you've kind of gone down below the line where it's like, oh, you just know how to make that one game. And so it's not going to work. And that's when you get, like, Harry Potter prom party in D&D. I think there's also an aspect, too, like, the, so the thing that I always say about, um, um, about computer parts <laughs> and, like, how, how computers work is that, yeah. like, when you, when you start off learning about how computers work it's all magic it's just a, it's a magic box yeah. that does things and you, you you move the mouse and the clicking happens and you have no idea how it works it's all magic and as and as you start to learn more about how it works it stops being magic because you know okay well there's a processor and the processor does this and the video card does this and the ram does this and you can have a, a rough yeah. idea of how a hard drive works and so suddenly it's not magic anymore and then as you learn more about it it becomes magic again because like like, yeah, there's science behind it, but, like, at some point, like, there's a whole lot of thinking going on inside that processor, and it's, like, really tiny. And then eventually, in theory, you could go on and become, like, a, an engineer who really understands how it works. Yeah. And it w- won't be magic anymore. But I have to imagine that on the other side of that, there's another level where it's, like, okay, I understand how a processor works, but this is magic again. But atoms are magic. Yeah. And yeah, so... Yeah, I, I think that's kind of, like, that 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 idea, right? That you kind of, like... If you know zero games, it's easy to choose what you're going to do, and it's difficult to work it. Mm-hmm. If you know one game, then it's easy to know what to do, but it and like, but it's not going to be necessarily functional. And then if you know like a bunch of games, a little bit, then you've got options, and it's kind of hard to choose which one yeah. you want, but you can go one of those paths, and you can choose an easier path. And then if you know uh, hundreds and hundreds of games... Then it becomes like, oh, it's impossible to choose which one to go with. But once you do, it'll be a really easy job. <laughs> yeah. Or even even I think when you're in that middle zone, because I feel like that's kind of where I am a little bit. Where yeah. I know like I'm pretty familiar with maybe half a dozen games. But like yeah. I know very little about belonging outside of belonging. Yeah. And and so if I'm going to design a game, I'm going to be like, if I'm sitting down, I'm going to have those thoughts of like, here's this big picture of what I want to achieve. How am I going to build this? Am I going to use a system that already exists? The chances that I'm going to say, 
oh well i'm gonna i'm gonna choose one of these 12 systems that i already know really well is much higher than the gee golly i guess i'm gonna learn a new system yeah uh, until like maybe a half a dozen people tell me that i should and then i'll go read the game finally but like i feel like I feel like you're almost in that position where like if you know 12 games really like pretty well, that's basically yeah. you're in the same position as if you know one game really well. Like you're not going to go looking for other games. It's just yeah. the thing you know. And then the problem becomes that some games are every other game. Yeah. Like D&D is vampire. Uh and like there's differences, but like it's it is kind of the same thing. It's just yeah. like resolved a little bit differently. Um, and I, I know I'm going to get people angry at me for saying that, but like there are games that are just the same game mm -hmm. and that if you have mastery of that, it doesn't help you with mastery of a different game. And that's okay. As long as you kind of can step back and find the breadth of things and go like, okay. And so, so that you don't end up in a place that you're going, mm -hmm. I know seven games. I know werewolf, vampire, hunter, changeling, beast, yeah. Prometheus. And I think so without really getting into the there was there were there was a, a whole uh discourse on on Twitter about like PBTA games and the way that they evolved. And Right, which which I do want to say like I I had a situation I just want to like quickly say I think that the that the initial posts about it were not like dunking on PPTA the way it started to look like it was later. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. were reacting to discourse that wasn't there. And like, I know that, that I came in with what I thought was like a unifying happy thing when it was at a very low, like simmering temperature. Mm -hmm. And by the time I finished typing things, things had gotten to such a high temperature that it looked like I was like setting down a side and like ready to throw mm -hmm. down at people, which was not the case. So what I'll say about it though is I think I think that like I'm not prepared to say that I think that something like like Masks because it was de de developed later is not an objectively better game than Apocalypse World which was developed earlier but like there is a so there I don't think that that I'm 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 not interested in the conversation really about like our generations of games ex do generations of games exist and our newer generations better yeah. than older generations but like I think that you can definitively say that when Brendan Conway went to go develop masks, he, like he had things that he wanted to do that were not things that Apocalypse World wanted to do. And so yeah. he developed game mechanics in a certain branch off of that tree. And other people who have made PBTA games have branched from that tree or his or or other branches in different ways. And the same Absolutely. is true of like the whole Dungeons and Dragons, Vampire the Masquerade, like all of those games kind of like they come from similar roots and branch out in different ways. And so I think there's another way that being familiar with a bunch of different games is useful if you're going to go choose where to design, not in just that, like you've seen the way that a bunch of different, like I think a lot of people, the way that the kind of, kind of the kind of condescending way I think that people often talk about game design is like you've got to know about all these games so that you can know about all the different ways people have made mechanics work to do to be the best yeah. game designer and I think that like I think that the reason to learn about a bunch of different games is so that you can say on this like ever growing snowflake tree mixed metaphor of game design and evolution <laughs> like where do I want to wh where is the right spot in evolution to tell yeah. my story Exactly, because there are games that there are games that if you try to make them PBTA, they won't work well. 
And yeah. there's games that like if you tried to make them, if you like, th- there's there's lyric games and story games that are really really light in terms of rules that carry enormous emotional punches. That if you were looking at your sheet and you were seeing, hey, here are my five stats and my seven moves, whatever it wouldn't be functional anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd completely lose the emotional thing of having six phrases on your sheet that you have to cross out by the end of a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to move us Our forward... Our radios are dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, To move us forward a little bit, do we have a piece of advice for people to answer my question that isn't <laughs> just go read, go read more and try to see through the Matrix? So Which is sort of what we said. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which, which, that is not what I want to say. I, I think the thing to think of is what do you want the core gameplay to be at the table? Mm-hmm. So like if you're like, I want to do a werewolf and your goal is I want one person to be playing a werewolf, then you probably want to do a supplementary material for something else, right? Yeah. If your goal is... I want to tell the story of werewolves that are kind of pushing against each other and sort of having to deal with each other and definitely having to rely on each other, but not being able to trust each other. Then like something like PBTA is really good for that. If you want to say, I want to do a game where you are werewolves fighting monsters, then, you know, something D20 or something more traditional might be better. Yeah. And so I think, just getting the idea of what you want your goal to be makes a huge difference. So the game Los Casados from Magpie Games by Mark Diaz Truman is a game about playing a group of vamp- of werewolves. Mm-hmm. And it is about playing a group of Mexican werewolves in uh, in and around like the where the border is. And it's about a lot of things of being hunted, hence the name. Mm-hmm. And that is a very different play experience. From like Bite, which is a game that is focused very much on the, as far as I know, I, it's been a little while since I've read those rules. Yeah. Um, but it's about being a group of werewolves, but it has more to do with like the interpersonal relationships as opposed to the outside threat. Yeah, because I was going to say, even even playing, like, a gr- if everyone at the table was playing the werewolf playbook for Urban Shadows, it would, yeah. that would still be a story about a bunch of werewolves, but not probably in the same way. And even in that, you could play an Urban Shadows game where everyone is, a, is playing the wolf, and you have one neighborhood, or you each have your own neighborhood and are jockeying for position. Yeah, so I think I think what we're saying is, scale like determining the scale of your vision yeah and like the direction that you want play to go because like a a game about a single werewolf that you're trying to figure out what you as a community do about that werewolf like take the road to lindisfarne and just like cross out witch and write wolf and it'll function (laughs) it might not function exactly but like it'll function and then then you've got a jumping off place and then once you've tested it like that, then you can say, okay, what worked, what didn't work, what do I like, what do I not like? There's the old, um, there's no way, there's no better way to find uh, the truth of a thing than to state something that you know to be wrong as though it were fact on the internet. Um, 
<laughs> so if you have a very clear vision of how, what you want to do, then you could go online and say, I'm writing a new game about uh, a group of vampire, uh, a, group, a group of werewolves who are at the border, and it's all about how they're being hunted, and I'm going to make it as, a, uh, an, ex- as, a, as an add-on to Dungeons and & Dragons. And yeah. a half a dozen people will tell you, that's terrible, that's a, you're so wrong, <laughs> this is the system <laughs> you should use. And then you could sort of weed through that mess. And like, you'll get a bunch of reply guys, but you could even just say, I want to write this game. And if you can get a couple friends to retweet you, mm, like you'll get, you'll get a bunch of people starting to tell you like, hey, this game already exists. And that's, that's obnoxious and not helpful. But you can then take that and say like, okay, uh, this game exists in this way, this way, and this way. What is my way of doing it? Yeah. It's different. I think that that is a good point. Um, that I think that there is something about this idea I mean, it's, it's kind of the like, it's the classic noble noble writer goes off into the woods to write their grand novel alone kind of thing that we idealize. But like, but really there is a benefit to a community. And yeah. so if you can find yourself, like if you yourself are not the person who has read a hundred games, but if you have, yeah. if you have 10 friends who have each read 10 games, well, then that's suddenly a lot of games. And so you can find a community of people who can help you sort through a whole bunch of games to then find games that are similar to what you're looking for and then go focus in on those yeah and having like a a community of designers is also way more useful than just like twitter right yeah like there's if if you find a couple of people that have a similar style of design as you you can even kind of merge those and like just come up with a hashtag and start using it like there's there's the hashtag tabletop chop shop, which is like a small group of people that is doing some specific design mm-hmm. and like they're doing a very cool thing. And I would like, you know, I, I, I would request that that doesn't become your hashtag TTRPG yeah. because it is a specific like little little movement of people doing awesome, cool stuff that kind of connects with each other in that it has like specific in that it has like specific almost specific DNA in the design work that's happening. Yeah. But if you are like, uh, I want, like, you know, tabletop role-playing TTRPG werewolf party for everybody who's doing werewolf stuff, Yeah, you'll find people that are doing that, and then everyone can throw in their ideas at once. Hashtag werewolf stuff. Hashtag werewolf stuff. Yeah, I, I, I would say from a, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a good thing. I think that even if you find people who aren't um designing games the way that you are designing games or are from a sort of similar school of thought you yeah. or, or even designing games uh if you if you tell if you were trying to write a game and you're trying to suss out like the true heart of your game of like what is your real vision so that you can find that one game that is the thing that will help you kickstart off your own design and you have a friend who makes YouTube videos and you like can get them to listen to you for a moment. Yeah. I would be willing to bet that because they have a different perspective, they'll be able to ask you questions that you would never ask yourself to help you investigate that further. Yeah. And they w- there's also nothing wrong with just making a quick thing. Like, yeah, if you are really experienced with PBTA and that's your favorite kind of game, then there's a good possibility that your favorite game to write would be that also. Which, 
gets back to that minimum viable product thing we've we've sort yeah. of always talked about, which is get it out there. And if even you take it to your first round of playtesting and everyone says, hey, this feels fun and I really like this core, but this doesn't really feel like it's a good PP- fit for PPTA. Well, then you yeah. go, cool, that's the feedback I wanted. Now let me go find a different game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll admit I have no idea what the kind of like testing environment is that's available online. I know that a lot of like that more online gaming is happening, but I don't know how to kind of find it and mm-hmm. things like that. Or if uh like newer creators are having an easier or harder time finding people to play with. But well, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's tough. It's tough to like yeah. figure out what the best way is to get your game in front of people's eyes. Well, come to the stop back and roll discord anyworld.com slash stop shr discord and uh and ask around yeah that's a great place to get some discussion going i don't know that we have like a a super strong like testing community yeah Uh, which is something that i always kind of wished we had pushed a little harder but yeah yeah we've got a great mask playing community (laughs) (laughs) um so let's let's so let's say let's say that you've decided so I guess we kind of, because my, my other question was, how do you determine if what you're doing is a playbook or a play set? Like, how do you know if mm. the scale? But I think we kind of said, like, just kind of know what your scale is. Know if we're talking about, are you interested in telling a story within another story? Um, and so, so let's say, let's just kind of, because we know where we're ending up with this conversation, where... <laughs> Let's record say, to find out what happens. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's say that we know that what we want to do is a is a is a character within a larger story that we're interested in telling, and so we're going to start working on a playbook. Um, I know that we've well, talked. So, I know that we've talked a little bit about in the past, or a lot of bit in the past, about designing playbooks. Yeah. Or, We've talked about designing PBTA games. I don't know how much we've talked about designing playbooks. We have done some designing of playbooks, but I don't know if we've really investigated it too much. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and like again, we're trying to keep things a little low pressure just to get our like engines back going yeah. before we retire forever. Um, but I think actually this conversation that we've been kind of having does sort of draw us to a potential question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mentioned the Corsair in the past of someone who is like a captain of a uh, space pirate ship. And, you know, we love space. We love space superheroes. I wonder if that's a playbook or a playset. Because I know like Magpie does have a, uh, does have a playset essentially that is uh, exploring through space and doing Mm -hmm. the uh, infinity stones, but that isn't a life on a spaceship simulator. Right? Like, that isn't yeah. doing Guardians of the Galaxy style or uh, even, like, Firefly style. How do we work together as a as a found family? Which was kind of the idea I had behind the playbook. Yeah. But I wonder if I'm look, if I'm barking up the wrong tree by uh, by going playbook as opposed to playset. Well, I, I, and also, I guess there's a there's a third option, which is maybe it's both. That's true. That's true. Maybe, it could be maybe- a... Maybe you have an idea for a playbook that thrives inside of a playset, but could work outside. That's true. So for so. the well, so let's let me let me help you investigate that then. 
and ask okay. you some questions. If so, that's the one we want to do, we also yeah. can play with something else. I don't know. Let's talk. I don't about, care. Let's talk about that. Let's do whatever. So what what is the what is what is your what is your core like? What what is that core play cycle about the Corsair that you're interested in? You, like you sort of said living on a spaceship. But what do you mean by that? Uh, being in, in a car in space. No, um, what interests me with that story is the element of is is not just the element of found family because that's definitely part of it, but the idea of responsibility as that applies to found family. Okay. So, like the corsair in my mind is someone who is saying these people are important to me and I'm mm-hmm. going to protect them, and like and- how does that interact with a game and a setting in a world where you're supposed to be going and protecting other people. Yeah. But like your priority has to be your ship. And we like, and we have talked in the past about the team mechanic in something like masks. And there was even a conversation going on today in in our discord, speaking of the discord, um, tinyworld.com slash SHR discord, um, (laughs) about wanting more masks playbooks that were, uh, support focused that were a little bit more focused mm, yeah. on on the on the the team itself as a as an entity and making the team run better. Um yeah. and and so yeah, I could definitely see a playbook um that I could see a playbook that sort of takes the role takes has has some features like the the legacy where you're or the um or the uh what's the the harbinger where you're like where you're listing you have like some 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 found family uh slots it's, it's a real gross word for that but uh <laughs> um where you're like you're building Lengths. out that list and you have and you have more specific relationship type mechanics with those characters yeah um, but i could also see it as a a playset where maybe as a as a group you have this is where actually I think having it be a playbook and a playset would be interesting because yeah. having a playset where you have a uh, like an alternate team mechanic that focuses on that focuses on them as the group the team as a family not as a team yeah. and then the corsair as a playbook that can take advantage of that mechanic in a way that the others can't. Oh, that's interesting. So it would be like expli- it would be explicitly for if you are using that playset. Yeah, I, I mean, I might, I might be interested in it. It sort of being able to work with the regular team mechanic too. Yeah, to make it more versatile. Yeah, but but yeah, something that that could work inside of that playset better than the others could. That's interesting. That wouldn't have occurred to me. I really like that uh, as a concept. I can't write a move for my life. But I can come up with big concepts. Well, that's okay, because I can write a move for my life. When you write a move for your life. <laughs> <coughs> no one's threatening your lives. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's the problem. Brandon has uh, definitely not, not been kidnapped. Problem. He has definitely not been brought to a beach. Um, <laughs> he is not being held against his will. I'm not. None of uh, those things are true. Uh, if, if, if I am not, there will be a mirror in the next uh in the next episode that that was a weird deep tiktok poll i'm not <laughs> sure why i did that one so say so it's the corsair i think this, yeah. this is this is sort of a a micro version of my larger question is like a if you if the corsair is a playbook that is about 
being on a spaceship, going on a space road trip, and having and and having and dealing and sort of relating to that found family that is your team. Yeah, you'll have a, a, a feature presumably uh, about that relationship that you have to the team. Yeah, I think w- so. When would you know that what you were writing was too big to be a feature and needed to be <laughs> a playset? Because presumably that's what the playset is. It's a feature that got too big for one character. Yeah, in a way it is. Because like you could, I think if you were doing a playset, you would want like the ship to be kind of like the key to that playset, right? Mm-hmm. That like maybe because that could allow all sorts of different interesting systems to be added on. Yeah, and I think that the idea would be that you you could kind of like almost produce these simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. That if something seems like it's going beyond the character, that it goes, okay, this is a playset thing. So, like, I think that this is going to sound ridiculous, but it could be that there's interest in ship-to-ship combat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it could be that 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 is true. Right? Like, that is something that could potentially be interesting and could be something to have, like, not a elaborate or involved system for, but I think it could be fun to be able to say, like, yes, these two spaceships are battling each other. That is clearly beyond the scope of the playbook, right? Yeah. Because it isn't how this character interacts with the other people. Additionally, how two characters unrelated to the Corsair interact with each other is beyond the scope of the playbook. Yeah. Although... My favorite trope of superhero space capital ship combat is where two ships are fighting each other and then somebody jumps out the side of their spaceship to go attack the other ship sort of by hand. Oh, totally. <laughs> and and then that moment where that character is then so you have like the the meta combat of spaceship combat. But now one of the players who you feel is part of your family is physically in danger, not because they're inside of the ship, but because they're outside of the ship. Yeah. That relationship and how you deal to do things like defend that character. Now that feels like a move for the Corsair. Absolutely. And so I think that that having an idea of who is your crew is something that makes sense for the Corsair. Mm -hmm. And like, who who your crew is versus not your crew is going to be an Im- kind of an important thing, right? Yeah. So I think I th- that's probably like, I think the ship is not the Corsair feature. The crew is the Corsair feature. Because you could... And I think maybe even like your dependency upon the crew is the feature. Yeah. Like, not so much like this person is a pilot, this person is a weapons tech. Like, that's that's playset, right? Yeah. Um, These people are important to me, and so I have given them an, a style of influence that is even more important than regular influence. That is, that's the, that's the Corsair, right? Yeah, it's the difference between the um, Infinity War stuff, Endgame stuff, where Thor is out with the Guardians, or some of the Guardians, on the yeah. spaceship. That's a mask story using the playset, but that doesn't have the Corsair because it's just about some characters on a spaceship. Yeah. Versus. As a Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Got Star Lord. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, that his entire identity is tied up in caring about these people or proving he doesn't care about these people or proving he does care about these people and getting them to care about him. Yeah. And so I think that that what I would be looking for in terms of a feature is that you have a specific way to indicate whether somebody is crew or not. Mm-hmm. And if they are your crew, then you interact with influence differently in some way. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want it to be a thing that, like, that you can't reject influence of your crew. Although that would be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, but, like... Yeah, I would say, why having, wouldn't you want that? Yeah, maybe. That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> that, like, the that you have to accept influence from your crew members. And so then you have to be, like, kind of deciding who is and isn't a member of your crew. That's one of those things... Like that that exact moment is I think the is the thing where a God no, that's gonna be the most pretentious thing that I was ever gonna say. But just like I think that the gut instinct of the designer is that 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 feels really overpowered. Yeah. And it's not a good thing. But I think that it's overpowered in a good way. Yeah. So okay, so let okay. Your, let your stuff be overpowered. So what if, what if, if you share influence, like if you have mutual influence? Oh, yeah. You are like a crew, right? Mm-hmm. And then for either of you to reject the other person, requ- like you take a powerful blow if someone rejects your influence. It's almost like a- And you t- have that mutual thing with a crew member. yeah. It's almost a, a twist on the the nomad a little bit of playing yeah. influence. Yeah, yeah. That like the nomad is about finding the people that matter to you. Yeah. The corsair is you have found the people that matter to you, and it's extremely painful when you don't have an enormous amount of influence. Yeah. Connecting everybody. Hmm. And so like that would that would encourage you to give influence to each other and like hold that influence. Yeah. Oh, that would be okay, but not to each other. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I mean, it doesn't. That doesn't reinforce. That doesn't. Um, what am I trying to say here? It doesn't incentivize all of the characters giving influence to each other. It incentivizes the corsair for to have everyone give influence to each other. And so that's where the corsair becomes a character that's really focused on like the team health. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking that it influences the Corsair to have every to have influence over everybody and to give influence to everybody. So like if it's if it's uh you, me, and Elsbeth, uh, and I'm the Corsair, mm-hmm. it's important for me to have influence over you and Elsbeth, and for the two of you to have influence over me, but I cannot really I'm not in. I'm not involved in getting the two of you to have influence over each other. But see, I think that that's interesting because then it means you have to be interested in our relationship too. That's true. That that does get more difficult to track. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Just because it's a little exponential at that point. Yeah. Right? I have no idea how you how you monitor that. But yeah, something like that where the 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 corsair is is interested and engaged. I like I like the idea of a character who is who is incentivized in a way that the other characters aren't necessarily. 
especially when yeah. it comes to teamwork, because it makes them a person like who to keep to, everyone together, who yeah, who is going to do the work to bring the, the people together and keep everyone together. I mean, one of the ideas with the Corsair would be that you are kind of the de facto team leader when you get to the mm-hmm. when you get to the question of like, who's the team leader? Do you have influence over everybody? And so, like, having some things that help to establish that influence and encourage people to want to give that influence without making it just, like, so good that you would, that it's, like, yeah, that it's obvious, right? And so, that's actually kind of where one of those places that that you can't reject influence, you can't reject someone shifting your labels without some big event is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just, maybe that just is like, if that, that with crew members, you get, you get some kind of benefit to your crew members, right? Mm -hmm. Like your moves do things that influence your crew members in positive ways. Uh, Probably something with that team is easier to spend and stuff like that. But in order to reject someone's influence in like a, I don't want my stats to move way. You have to have an explosion first. Yeah. So it's not like do you do the roll and on a six minus things might go badly. Yeah. It's like you have to have a bad thing happen right away. Which might just be take a powerful blow, right? And then like you take a powerful blow and you can ignore their influence and you don't necessarily get something tangible from doing so, right? Except that you blocked the thing. I wonder if it's like, um, so if you have influence over each other, you would almost, it would, and, and they're trying to tell you about the way the world works and you're trying to say no. And also the player is trying to say, I don't want my mechanic, I don't mechanically want my labels to shift like that. Yeah. I wonder if you would have to, by necessity, blow up your influence over them. Oh, I like that. So you have to even reject it all. You have to give up your influence over them because they because because by not listening to what they say about the world, they you have lost your influence over them. But you still have influence. They still have influence over you. And then you do a move. Or it burns it both ways. Yeah. Like because like like I'm kind of getting the idea of like. I mean, how many times in Guardians of the Galaxy do two characters yell at each other and then walk away from each other? I just, right? Like, that's like, the reason that's why, like 30% of the movie. Yeah. The reason why I would say you, that, that they don't lose influence over you is because that moment where you walk away from each other is so much you more painful care. for the Corsair if, yeah. if you still really care what they think. That's true. That's true. I, I don't think it's a powerful blow now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's a specific move. Yeah. I think so I think it's like it's similar to the powerful blow. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it I think it has that it it probably has something to do with marking conditions or something like that or maybe mm-hmm. losing control of your powers. That's a great thing to have. But I'd love it to also include like an option of showing more of your emotions than you intend to and like having to like tell secrets because you know me. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of like the thing that I was thinking of that there's that lash out verbally. Like I would really yeah. I would really like a more aggressive version of lash out verbally as a yeah. as a bad result for reject their influence. 
Yeah, like I, I, I think less than um the innocence when you spit in the face of guidance. Yeah, because that that's just too brutal. Like you, you don't then become friends minutes later. Yeah. So when you reject influence of a crew member, or they reject influence of you, should it roll flat? Roll plus influence you have over other crew members. Ooh, yeah. On a hit, uh, on a hit you hold to your own, just like you would for the other one. And then maybe, uh, maybe the 10 plus is even like a little, hmm, on a hit you hold to your own. Because I, I want it to be, I, I think that this should be an influence thing that is worse. Like it's worse to reject the influence of a crew member yeah. than it is to reject just anybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the crew members should be getting benefits from each other constantly. So I think on a 10 plus, you get like a positive benefit. That's So this is a reject influence. And so you on a 10 plus, you have successfully rejected their influence, but without really blowing up the relationship. Maybe. Maybe. Look, I, I, I wonder if it's like on a 10 plus, you get an option to help yourself or hurt them. Okay interesting and are we still saying that in order to even do this you have to pay in your influence over them Mm. so maybe maybe it's on a 10 plus you pick from these three options and one of them is keep influence and one of them is keep influence i'm getting there i'm getting better you are you are so on a 10 plus you uh you hold it, so on a hit you hold your own and re- and don't shift the la- and don't shift labels. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is just on a ten plus choose two on a seven to nine choose one because that keeps it similar to mm-hmm. the regular reject. Yeah, uh, you don't lose influence over them. You what? You you gain influence over someone else. Hmm. Like in a you someone or someone else who is there sees the way you handled the that that blow up yeah and comes out with some respect for you interesting because then it would be a way for you to get influence over them but you'd have to risk your your influence and relationship with another character that you already have influence over and vice yeah versa. that's interesting the, the only issue that could come from that is like, like, you know, uh, the whole sn- snowballs are good, mm-hmm. but snowballs can get too mechanical. Yeah. But that is definitely a possibility that could be really <laughs> fun, because that means you're getting, like, you're, you're blowing up, and that really forms, like, sides, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it sets up teams. Yeah. Um... Oh man, it could even be when you reject influence of a team member, roll plus the number of crew members that are backing you. Ooh. <laughs> oh god, how do you do that though? How do you know? You you just look around and you say ask. like like I'm standing yeah, oh. I'm I'm standing up to him. Who's like who's on my who's side? Like instinctively looking on my side. Oh, that's that's good. I like that. I like that. Um And so then maybe, I wonder if then the consequences should affect everybody who stands, who backs you. Yeah. I like that too. 
not maybe super dramatically. Although, yeah, I, I was I was gonna say like it that, that your could relationship also get out of control. Them. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I think I think let's 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 make the simplest version first. Yeah. Let's recap where we are with this move, and we'll maybe come back next next episode. Um, if this isn't the final episode, uh, and and some and like and and advance it maybe a little more. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we get renewed for a second season. Yeah. What's what's the number of episodes we need to have for syndication? I think it's like sixty. So I think we've hit. I that. think it's yeah, we've hit that. Okay. Wait, I had a I had a brilliant idea. Okay. When you reject influence of a crew member, roll plus crew members who back you. On a hit, you hold your own. On a seven, on a ten plus, choose two. On a seven nine, choose one. Uh, you don't lose influence over them. You blurt out how you feel about them. They mark a condition. Or you say how you'd run the ship. Shift your own labels. Mm. On a six minus, you both lose your influence over each other. And you take a powerful blow. Ooh, I like it. So, like, if you get the 10+, plus, then you're getting to maintain influence. Uh, I wonder if that should even be, uh, they lose influence over you. Uh, Keep it simple. No, you don't lose influence over them. That's fine. But so, like, you, you rage out at somebody, you get the 10+, plus, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to lose influence over them. And I'm going to shift my own labels, and that does mean I have to fictionally say how you'd run the ship, mm-hmm. which is fun because that means yeah. like you know, like it's like if I were in charge, this is what we'd be doing. Mm-hmm. Versus you blurt out how you feel about them. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it should be they mark a condition or uh, clear a condition or they mark a condition. They clear Your or mark a condition, or like you clear a condition oh. or they mark a condition. So, like, do you say something that gets something off your chest? Mm. Or do you say something mean <laughs> so that they mark something? That might be a little complicated. That might be a little complicated. But I think that's good. Um, that's good code to save on the shelf just in case, like, to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that that is a a functional, if not necessarily play-tested move sure 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 but I like- and just like it it sets up it sets it up so that condi- like influence is a little more scary yeah to share with people um and then going hand in hand with that is you would want to be sure that there is a tangible real benefit to being crew members with somebody because mm-hmm. that's the thing with the nomad is that that um your influence is a little sticky. Like you don't have influence. People don't have influence over you. And then when they do get it, it's, it's really sticky. But at that point, it's still just the regular influence. It's not, it's not scary. Yeah. It's scary to give it out because I guess it is scary to give it out because when someone has influence over you, you are, you get like a negative, uh, a, to by default to rejecting their influence but because that's because that's a that's a playbook about slowly yeah it's it's what you said it's a it's a playbook about slowly letting people into your family and this is a playbook about being part of a family and trying to hold it all together yeah and so i think that what i that i want the corsair to be losing and gaining influence constantly yeah yeah um like 
that you are because like you have a little spat and you are you are emotionally incapable of having a disagreement and not blowing it up. Mm hmm. Yeah. But you also need them very badly. Yeah. And so like that's where the you don't lose their influence over them is, is important. Is important. Um, or it might even be that that you have to lose influence to reject somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you because you like you you'd lack because you're so tied up and involved and enmeshed in each other's lives that uh that you can't disagree because in a again, productive way yet yeah that even them because again them using their influence is usually them saying here's how the world is and if yeah. you say no it's not how the world is that's a real big deal yeah because in your mind you are the only people that exist yeah yeah this is good this is good this is good yeah i definitely want to take a second a second shot at that uh soon before working out more of it but i think i think that is a that's a fun start i'm into this yeah me too Um, maybe we'll play some house of regulus with a corsair yeah it'd be fun so if you have a good idea for a move a day theme uh, for august or something coming up like that um, or if you would be interested in participating in something like that, then reach out to us on Twitter, uh, where we can be both found at at Stop Back and Roll, or individually, I am at End of the Meltdowns, and I'm at Bileo and Gambetta. And if you toss a hashtag SHR move, uh, and if you throw a hashtag Move a Day on there, that will probably make it a little easier for us to track. Yeah. You can find all of our episodes and links to some of the games we've been working on at www.stopbackandroll.com. You can email us at either James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. If you like the show, give us a rating and review on iTunes or your other pod dispensary to help other people find it. Five-star reviews help people find the shows through the strange magical algorithms that exist. Yeah. We make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers. Uh, I'd like to welcome a couple new backers like Megan Cross and Devin Preston, as well as thank some of our old favorites like ShuffleQuest, Iterate Onwards, Oliver Perks, Devin White, Riverhouse Games, and Himra. If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll. And if you can't support us financially, support our community by becoming a part of it. Join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. All of this talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy and the... Uh, sort of Marvel Space Avenger type peoples has got me yeah. thinking about how um, at some point, I don't think that this is the right uh, scenario, like the right forum for it, but I have a whole big rant on why uh, the the story of the Infinity Gauntlet and like the Infinity Stones is inherently a broken story that can't be interesting in the end. And, and so sometime I want to go on a rant about that. But for now, I will just have to snap my fingers and tell you to don't forget to stop hack and roll. It's it's a broke it's a it's a it's a two part story and one part can only only one part can be interesting.
<laughs> and so it has to be either the first part or the second part. They both can't be interesting. I just and then um I stopped recording. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Or everything's fine. Hello, how are you doing? I'm just going to slam a bunch of markers down do? here. Um I will be able to figure this out in post. Don't stop recording. When? Um <laughs> <laughs>